We are joined by the former leader of then Her Majesty's loyal opposition, former leader of the federal NDP, Thomas Mulcair, now our political analyst, and it's a Mulcair Monday. Nice to have you, sir. Good to be with you, John. Okay, I asked uh, Scott Reed just a little while ago on the show if he agreed with Chantal Hebert's analysis that Pierre Polyev may be uh, squandering his chance to become the prime minister. Yeah. He framed that as perhaps wishful thinking. I'm certainly like, I always hate the expression, but only time will tell. But I also think that he's hurtling down a track he doesn't need to be on, and it's not endearing him. Yeah, it's a really great piece by Chantal Hubert. I think she's spot on, frankly. Um, one of the things that people haven't picked up on too much, because, you know, the guy's name is Pierre, after all, he's got a French last name, and his, his spoken French is actually quite decent. He, he is nowhere in Quebec. He's like at 13%. Now, why is that? Well, that attitude, you know, that smarmy, you know, in-your-face attitude that endears him to his political base, you know, the harder right part of the conservative part movement, doesn't go over in Quebec at all. So he, he's he's actually going to wind up probably helping the bloc get even more seats next time around because of that very weak showing there. But beyond that, what we're seeing is he's got about two more weeks to decide whether or not he's going to pull a Danielle Smith. So he's got a by-election coming up exactly two weeks from now in Portage Lisker in Manitoba. He's, there are several other by-elections, but this is the one everybody's concentrating on because that's where Maxime Bernier got tw- his party uh, got 22% last time around in the, in the federal general election. Bernier is running himself in, in, in Portage Lisker and it, if he is able to hold on to anything resembling 20%, that could prove seriously problematic for Poilievre. So in the meantime, Poilievre is not going to start changing his tone and his attitude the way Danielle Smith had to change hers to win the Alberta election. She was very similar in tone to Poilievre, always in your face, had said some really crazy stuff. But the NDP's campaign in Manit- in, sorry, in Alberta was essentially... Listen to the crazy stuff she said. You can't vote for her. That worked for the first part of the campaign. But once Danielle Smith, the new version, showed up for the debate, reasonable, thoughtful, gets through the debate, they basically hit her for the last part of the campaign, and she won. Poilievre's going to have to go through a similar transformation. He's not going to become... That That Pierre Poilievre will not become the Prime Minister of Canada. I am convinced Chantal Hébert is right on that. It doesn't mean he can't change. He's got tremendous advisors around him, but he's going to have to be that Pierre Poilievre, at least, until June 19th, because that's the date of the by-election. Once he gets past that, John, I think we're going to see this real change where he changes his tone, he's more prime ministerial, and he's saying to Canadians, we're due for a change, and I can do it. Let me ask you something then, from your experience having been a party leader, um, does a column like Chantal Hebert's come up in a morning meeting? Does somebody say you got to see what Chantal Hebert wrote on the weekend, or do you guys just shut that stuff out? It'll come up in the meetings with the staff, and yes, sometimes you'll talk about it. If it's that well-written, this piece is is exceptional as far as I'm concerned, and yes, they should be paying attention to it. But Poilievre himself, the people around him tend to reflect back to him exactly what he wants to hear. He's not the type of person who has others around him who challenge him and push him. There's a completely different level of advisor that exists. Think John Baird. So the, one of Mulroney's sons, who's a banker, is actually part of that group. They get to talk to him in a different way, not part of the staff. The staff, frankly, if you look at the people around Poilievre, nobody challenges them. But if you get to that other level, there are people who are, you know, with folded arms looking at him, you know, seriously and saying, you, this guy cannot get elected prime minister of Canada. 
Here's here's some of the information we have from focus groups, from deep polling. This is what Canadians need to hear, and you're not delivering it right now. I want to play something for you, actually, just for fun, see what your reaction is. This is Charlie sure. Angus, who is an MP, NDP MP, yeah. Yeah. making fun of Pierre Polyev's official residence and servants. Welcome okay. to Lifestyles of the Rich and Famous, the Ottawa edition. And on this episode, we're visiting Rockcliffe. This is one of the most exclusive neighborhoods in the country. This is where the old money the big money, and where Pierre Polyev have their dates. Now, Mr. Polyev already has a house in Ottawa, but by moving into Rockcliffe, he gets a 19-room mansion, servants, a personal chef, and $170,000 a year in upkeep for the joint. Talk about gatekeepers. This guy's got groundkeepers. Now, personally, I don't have a problem with an official residence for the leader of the opposition, but I do have a problem with Pierre Polyev telling senior citizens that they don't deserve to have access to free public dental care while he's being served eggs Benedict from his own personal chef in his own mansion paid for by the taxpayer. Pierre, enough with the champagne and caviar dreams, please. Okay, so Thomas Mulcair, <laughs> you have to say, for he's not an old guy, but Charlie Angus isn't exactly, uh, you know, 25, but he's got the chops of a young person on Twitter. Yes, that's many years of being on stage. Yes. Uh, and, you know, it, that's, a, that's the way to fight somebody like Poiliev, because Poiliev has been so superb at going after Trudeau. Do you remember the, the video that he did where he's having an imaginary brunch with Trudeau and remarking on the increase in the cost of eggs and the bread and the butter and everything else? Talk about bread and butter issues. I mean, this was something that was made for Canadians who were looking at 8% inflation and saying, why is the government not even caring about this? This is where Poiliev really understands how to play the game. And Charlie Angus is just serving him back some of his own medicine. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, I think we need more punk musicians <laughs> in politics, to be honest. Okay, so uh, the former GG, David Johnston, yes. has hired Navigator Communications, and that is the company you turn to when you're in crisis. And if I understand this correctly, Thomas Mulcair, the public is paying for somebody to come in and try and rescue his image, which, like, just, you just bet. quit. Yes, <laughs> just quit, Mr. Johnston, because you can't do this job. You used to be a law professor. I'll say it in Latin. Nemo judex in sua causa. You cannot be the judge in your own case. And that's a basic rule of natural justice. The minute it became clear. And by the way, I applauded the nomination of Johnston when it happened. I said, this is the type of person who can look at this and give good advice. But then we find out that right up until the moment that Trudeau named him special rapporteur. He had a key role at the Trudeau Foundation, and the Trudeau Foundation was going to be under the magnifying glass. It has to be. It has to be part of the analysis. We know that the Chinese Communist Party gave money to the Trudeau Foundation and used front men and the whole, the whole nine yards. People started resigning from the board because others who had been there at that time refused to step back. The guy that Trudeau tasked with looking at all of the interference in the 2019 campaign, Morris Rosenberg, fine fellow, by the way, uh, what did we find out about him? Well, he was the chairman of the board when these checks were coming through at the Trudeau Foundation. So all of this stuff stinks. Canadians don't have any trust whatsoever in the process. And Johnson, instead of doing the honorable thing and stepping back, persists. He signs a paper in the Globe and Mail where he says he will not be dissuaded. And you read that thing, and on two occasions in that paper, he says, well, you know, Canadians are going to ask that their elected officials be accountable to what he, Johnston, is going to be proposing after his, the second part of his mandate. Not only does he completely ignore 
and flip the bird to the 338 members of the House of Commons who are the backbone of our democratic institutions, and that's what he's supposed to be defending, he says he's not going to be dissuaded by them not to do the job that he wants to do. And it is an unbelievable situation that we're in right now. Tomorrow, he'll be in front of the Procedure and House Affairs Committee of Parliament for several hours. If the Conservatives can do something different than what they usually do, in this case, start asking really well-prepared questions and go at it, then maybe we'll get something new. And maybe Johnston will finally be prevailed upon to do the honourable thing. He's called the right honourable David Johnston. Well, he's got to do the right honourable thing and step back from this. It makes no sense whatsoever that he's persevering. Thomas Mulcair, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Great to talk to you, John. All the best. Thomas Mulcair, former head of the NDP at the federal level, also as a result of the way things congealed in an election, was the leader of the opposition, called by some people the finest leader of the opposition of the last 50 years, as a matter of fact, for his prosecutorial approach to questioning the government.